Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. Before I get to this week's topic, uh, as you know, <clears throat> the Compliance Podcast Network is always on the lookout for new podcasts. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast but didn't know how? Well, if you've thought about it, please take a listen to this week's sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this week's episode, Matt and I consider the proposed reform uh, passed in the House that would fix the anomaly created by the Supreme Court's decision in Digital Realty Trust, which said that it didn't matter if you went to your company as an internal whistleblower, you had to go to the government first. And if you didn't go to the government, you didn't get whistleblower protection. That was clearly not the intent of Congress, nor was it the intent of the SEC in its rulemaking. Nevertheless, that's what the Supreme Court held in its plain language. The House Financial Services Committee has passed an amendment which would uh, overturn this decision and correct the flaw in the uh, SEC, excuse me, the Dodd-Frank language. We use that as a starting point to fully explore whistleblower, whistleblower protection, why it's so significant, and why companies should support this change as it will help them not only have more robust internal reporting systems, but also provide them additional legal and regulatory protection going forward. Fascinating case, and I know you will enjoy the discussion as always. Thanks for listening to this episode. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode. Today, we're going to take a look at progress on a proposed whistleblower fix. It's based on a blog post Matt had uh, last weekend entitled Progress on Whistleblower Fix. That shows you how clever I am. So, Matt, with that clever intro, you uh, first of all, thanks and uh, tell us where you are and set the stage. Uh, so, uh, as it so happens, I am in Chicago this week to hang out with the law firm of Quarles and Brady, which is uh, one of the Midwest firms here. They are having a compliance day for their clients tomorrow, and they asked if I would help out by leading a conversation about whistleblower hotlines and uh, internal reporting programs. So, very timely that we had that here, and then Congress did this startling bit of good news, which is rare in Washington, so that's what's happening. What's the good news? The good news, this is a small step, but you know, this is Congress, so small steps are still important, uh, is that the House Financial Services Committee has approved a bill to undo the damage of the Digital Realty Trust Supreme Court decision from February 2018. That was the ruling that the Supreme Court said on a 9-0 ruling that if somebody wanted to claim whistleblower protections under the Dodd-Frank Act, he or she must report their concerns to the SEC because that is the language of the statute uh, and that those protections would not kick in if you only reported internally to your compliance program. That's what the decision said. 
uh, and this House Financial Services bill was uh, just a really a technical correction. It's not even a lot of language in the bill that says, no, no, the Dodd-Frank protections will apply even to people who only report internally to their compliance program first. Um, so that would be good news for compliance officers. It is a long road ahead before this technical fix actually becomes law. Uh, the full house would have to uh, approve it. And when might that happen? We don't know. The Senate would have to approve this legislation as well. When would that happen? We don't know. And then the Trump administration, uh, President Trump would have to sign it into law. So this is the first step out of what, at least three or four steps that have to happen. But I would call out that this passed on a easy bipartisan vote in the Financial Services Committee. It is not like there's a lot of controversy with the idea. So we are moving in the right direction, even if the ship has just sort of pushed off from the docks. Uh, we have previously explored this case and this issue, Matt, and uh, you and I certainly agree that this is a necessary correction and one that will actually make compliance programs better, stronger, and more robust and protect whistleblowers and help the SEC. So it would seem to be a, uh, a no-nonsense technical fix. Nevertheless, yeah. when uh, the SEC was considering uh, its rulemaking, which led to the digital realty trust case, many companies uh, came out in favor of what has turned into this technical fix, basically saying that uh, they wanted whistleblowers to report internally first. Would you uh, have yeah. any sense that that will change uh, in terms of lobbying if we ever get that far now? No. In fact, I can remember way back when, like in 2010, I think it was, when the SEC was first debating how to implement the Dodd-Frank Act, there was some push that the requirement should be you must first report internally to your compliance program. Um, and then that went away. And now basically um, the SEC had tried to put that in as an encouragement. And then these people, Digital Really Trust, challenged that in court. What struck me was even in when this case was in front of the court and oral arguments were heard in November of 2017, and I was reading the transcripts of that back when it happened, like there were several justices who said, we appreciate this is not a good idea. This is what the language of the law says. So our hands are somewhat tied. And it was a 9-0 uh, vote. So clearly, you know, the Supreme Court was pretty clear that this is what the statute says. So you must report to the SEC if you want protections, even when that does mean that we are undermining the incentive to work within the company if you are a whistleblower. Um, I think this is one of those anti-regulatory measures out there that kind of blew up in people's faces, in corporate America's faces, because you know, look, corporate America, you got what you wanted when you brought this lawsuit. It was a bad idea that as soon as whistleblowers had to report to the SEC to get protections, they started going to the SEC in greater numbers. And the office of the whistleblower has even said, since that decision came down in, I think it was February of 2018, uh, they saw a appreciable increase in the number of tips that the uh, people were reporting to the SEC because they're looking for their rewards. They're looking for whistleblower protections. Uh, it's a natural outcome that, you know, if you can only get the protections by going to the SEC, you're going to go to the SEC first. 
Um, there's all sorts of bad ideas that stem from that. Uh, so I can't imagine anybody is going to fight to quash this. Um, it's all it doing is saying that if you don't report to the SEC first, if you do report internally, you still get those anti-retaliation protections. Um, compliance officers should welcome that. Maybe there are going to be legal departments that don't like this. Um, because it opens up another avenue of liability for them if they file anti-retaliation claims against the company. This is one of those things where we could split hairs all day long about compliance. It's not the same as legal. But if you're an ethics and compliance officer and you want to get to the bottom of allegations and you don't want them to spill into the regulatory world, you have to support this fix because this fix says it's okay, whistleblower, you can work with your compliance team and you won't be hung out to dry. So I, I hope it becomes law eventually. So Matt, there's uh, actually one other reason I wanted to, to bat over to you for comment about why companies should support this. In addition to fostering a speak up culture and fostering an entire culture of reporting and responsible uh, management intake of those reports and dealing with those reports, there's a, actually a practical reason companies uh, should want to support this, which is that if they don't, if a, if a whistleblower goes to the SEC and reports, a company cannot receive self-disclosure credit uh, because, one, they haven't self-disclosed, but even perhaps more damagingly, the uh, nefarious conduct could well continue if the company didn't know about it so that you have the anomaly that someone inside the company knows about it. Uh, because, uh, they're prohibited by law via Supreme Court decision from having uh, anti-retaliatory protection by reporting eternally, so they report to the government. Uh, the government gets the intake. Uh, the company still doesn't know about it. The uh, illegal or unethical conduct continues, and so it fosters and festers. And so the SEC could well uh, enhance the fine or penalty against the company uh, for doing so. So it would seem to me that a uh, corporate legal department really might want to think through overall liability and recognize that there are significant uh, benefits to uh, uh, mandating internal or at least accepting internal uh, reporting and not retaliating against the whistleblower to move forward. I, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, fundamentally, we're talking about this ruling puts a wedge between the whistleblower and the company. If you are the company, you don't want that. You want your employee who knows about misconduct to stay with the company. Um, my hypothetical would be, what if the whistleblower first goes to the SEC, gets the whistleblower protections, you lose your self-disclosure credit because now it's not going to be original information. You, the company, you don't know that. Um, and the SEC might ask them to be a cooperating witness or something like that. They go back to the company. They do report internally then after the fact and maybe somebody retaliates against them then well now a you can't self-disclose because it's not original information and b you are violating the anti-retaliation rules and you, you may not you, i mean you're just as the company you don't know what's going on because you don't know what the the employee may or may not have said you're guessing it through simpler world would just be that the protections kick in even if you go directly to the compliance officer who should be on the whistleblower side anyways, and just, you know, I, I realize that there are going to be some corporate legal minds who think that this probably still carries different forms of liability, but may not necessarily reduce your liability. But I think that moving forward with this fix, 
solves more problems than it creates, so companies should support it. Matt, you have written and, and frankly thought about not simply whistleblowers, but entire reporting systems for quite some time. And indeed, you're in Chicago to to lead a panel on this. Do you sense that there is a greater awareness in corporate America of the true power and even uh, demonstrated now financial benefit to having a robust reporting system? Well, I, there is. Yeah. You know, I think that I think most companies are still stuck in the uh, what I'll call the formative phase of thinking about whistleblowing hotlines is that we should do this because number one, it's legally required for most companies. If you're publicly traded or you're a government contractor or something like that. Uh, Number two, okay, if employees have issues, we might as well create some means for them to bring their concerns to us because it's better that we know that than we don't. But they haven't yet reached what I would say the more enlightened thoughts that have been now documented in academic research that if you have more internal reporting, if your culture is an internal reporting culture, Tom, you and I have talked about this before. There's research out there that shows there's a whole lot of very practical business benefits. Uh, Smaller legal settlements, fewer material lawsuits, fewer external reports to government agencies and higher return on assets. Fundamentally, though, as I've said before, if your culture is one where employees feel more comfortable bringing problems up with their bosses, a lot of those problems will not necessarily be bad things that something is misconduct. It'll just be issues a company would want to know about anyways, you know, uh, ways to improve efficiency or possible threats from competitors or something like that. If employees feel like they're on your side and they have their head in the game that we want the company to do well, then all of that, all of those benefits from a stronger internal reporting culture, like that's kind of self-evident that, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Are you going to get more internal reports about possible misconduct that you know, you're not going to love it, but at least you know the problems out there? Yes. But still, employees that report more often internally are employees who feel some sort of more vested interest in the company succeeding and doing right. I haven't met an executive yet who has said, no, 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 I don't want that kind of stuff. I just want silence and I want them to do their what they're told. I've never heard that. I've always heard that first incarnation instead. Mm. You've obviously never worked in Texas. <laughs> uh, in the more enlightened Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, Matt, I, I guess uh, we so rarely in, on this podcast get to, uh, uh, if not shout out to Congress, at least acknowledge uh Congress for doing uh, not only its job, but uh, perhaps actually doing some good. So perhaps that might be a good way to, to end this podcast by just saying uh, that Congress can still work. It can still work for business. It can still work for employees. And it can still work for uh, the government, which it oversees. So when you have all three of those aligned, it se- would seem to me to be a pretty good result. You know, Tom, I got one more other news item and whistleblower news that is worth noting. I also want to give a shout out to the Commodities and Futures Trading Commission, because the other week they gave out a whistleblower award uh, of $1.5 million. To whom? We don't know. About what? We don't know, because these whistleblower awards are so cloaked in secrecy. But the CFT did say that it was an enhanced award because this person first did try to report internally to their company. 
We don't even know exactly what that means. I don't know that they had a compliance officer they reported to or they took it to HR or management or something. But the CFTC did say this person did first try to bring his or her concerns to their bosses. It, for bosses, for whatever reason, ignored them and did not respond. So then they took it to the CFTC. There was a settlement and they would get a whistleblower award and we gave them extra because they tried to do the right thing first and the company was not there to catch that ball when the whistleblower went and threw it to them. Um, so just also the regulators, like they are trying to think this through and do the right thing and reward people for the right type of behavior, which is reporting internally first. And Congress is same sort of stuff with this legislative fix rewarding them with anti-whistleblower or anti-retaliation protections. So not everybody in the corporate world is going to love all of this, but ethics and compliance officers, there are people out there who are on your side and they are trying to do this. And let, let's hope that uh, it comes to fruition. Seems like a good place to end, Matt. So until next week, I look forward to uh, seeing what we can come up with. All right, Tom. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast with Tom Fox and Matt Kelly. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. We're going to link to both Matt's podcast and blog post in the show notes, so check those out for additional information. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.
I hope you'll join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic into the weeds of compliance. Compliance Into the Weeds is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.